This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malka LaBelle joining us as usual from the Green Generation Co. You can find out how Malka can help you by hitting www.greengencompany.com. And we're starting out with our first topic today uh, with what we think is an answer to a question people have been asking. So everybody wants to know, how are we going to stimulate the 2020 into 2021 economy? How are we going to create jobs? How do we increase tax revenues well that knock on the door that you're hearing that's the marijuana the cannabis industry isn't it yeah exactly you know dean we've been talking about this for a while but you know what the cool part about it is that it's starting to spread uh and in a good positive uh you know people that are important and you know decision makers in the world those kinds of people are starting to take notice so what this was was you know a few weeks ago i posted or it was a couple weeks ago about, you know, um, on my own LinkedIn, my commentary on how I think that, you know, investing in cannabis and in and, and the, and the opportunities that uh, in our own province here in Alberta was like the answer to the economic crisis that was before us with not just the COVID situation, but also all the, you know, lack of funding through the oil and gas sector being in a, in a serious downfall. So that was my own lens in the in our own province. But this week I'm seeing, you know, and reading headlines across the sector in cannabis uh, globally um, from much larger organizations, you know, MJ Biz, of course, and BNN Bloomberg, and even investment fund managers, you know, and some of these bigger groups that are looking to hmm, maybe the this industry is something we should look at again um, because of the reasons, not because it's a fad or a trend or the latest Silicon Valley thing but because it could create hundreds of thousands of jobs uh, in legal um, sector, legal states and provide tax revenue uh, to help um, create, uh, you know, fill the coffers of government spending sprees to get people out of this pandemic. You know, even in Colorado alone, um, they've already recorded over a billion dollars in legal tax revenue since 2014. And in 2020, there are 11 states uh, in the U.S. or countries around the world where legalization is on the next election ballot. So there's a lot of countries and states that are looking at this in the next 12 months. And already, in other than Canada, there's 33 states that have legalized medical cannabis in the U.S. and 11 for adult rec purposes. We've just started scratching the surface of this um, potential industry to fill a gaping hole in what has become an economic depression uh, worldwide. Well, and this is the thing that, you know, I, I don't know if people don't understand this or they don't want to understand it is, you know, you're not putting the genie back in the bottle. This is not going away. Legal cannabis in Canada is, is not going away. So you might as well start looking at the benefits, even if you don't use cannabis, that mm -hmm. Our country and province and and counties and whatever you go as as far down as you want to go at whatever uh, uh, government level, uh, this is a solution. It's not going to you know all of a sudden we're all of a sudden out of debt, but it's going to chip away at that. I mean, 
just in Alberta alone, the amount of jobs that have been created from the retail sector mm-hmm. on its own is amazing. And then you think about all the the peripheral, uh, not just like the LPs, but the construction companies mm. and the lawyers, and it just goes on and on with this industry. And like I said, you're not, you're not. I don't care what government takes power. You're not turning back the time and making cannabis illegal again. Yeah, and I think the other big stigma around it is that you have to be a user to be involved, and that's completely inaccurate. I mean, just like you said, I mean, there are so many different industries that this touches um, that are creating jobs at all levels, and a lot of them allow for work from home or you know, they're getting, you know, higher pay because they are frontline or essential workers. Um, I mean, in Alberta alone, we have over 600 stores in retail. Wow. So that's frontline, you know, hospitality service staff, you know, people that have maybe a high school education or not even, you know, they have to be 18 is the only qualification. Um, and, you know, and have a propensity to want to work in the industry. And and the other places that have much bigger opportunity for this is really in Ontario, where they only have 100 stores or so right now. But the growth plans for, you know, servicing the cannabis industry uh, demand in Ontario, saying up to 1200 jo- uh, stores in the coming year. That's like an, a massive, a massive amount of hiring training, employing, providing for people that would otherwise be out of work entirely in the current COVID situation. So I think if anyone that you know of in any place in Canada or anywhere around the world, if legalization is part of the picture in your province or state, and you're looking for a job, or you want to be, you're an investor, and you want to look at getting into like, they're estimating 21% estimated uh, growth in the next five years, you know, a politician with a gaping budget deficit would really be not very bright if they didn't talk or think about the cannabis sector or legalizing parts of it or more of it to help, you know, answer their problems. And what a better way to end the stigma, right? A hundred percent. Job creation is always popular during an election. And uh, this is like, it's just amazing. Uh, that we're we're almost at another anniversary of legal cannabis and Ontario still only has 100 stores. I mean, it's crazy. And it's great to see the influx in jobs uh, that it's going to create. And and this is the thing that I love is that, you know, you, you might start at a retail store at the lowest level and who knows where you can go in that yeah. company or any other company in the industry because it is constantly growing and changing. So I, I wholeheartedly think that if you are not looking at the uh the cannabis industry for this then you can't see the forest through the trees totally yep it's all about the opportunities let's open it up you betcha all right uh, change makers we're staying a little bit closer to home and we're going to talk about the green generation co yeah so i'm sort of plugging my own projects here right now just because it's in this these times and and sort of with the work that i'm doing you know i'm an entrepreneur uh myself um which on its own is a very hard gig um you know it's a lot a lot of lot of work on your own for a long time and then and right now uh, an entrepreneur in a new and highly stigmatized industry uh is even harder and then layer on our lovely global cap pandemic that we've just spoken about so i get a lot of flack you know i get a lot of flack from people pushing back particularly people in my own you know, my own inner circle that are like, you know, like, like, what are you doing? You know? And, and I have to say, I'm like, you know, the people that are in my inner circle don't necessarily see or hear this show. They should, but they don't, um, or see what's on, you know, what's happening on my social media or in the public space where I'm talking about this stuff. Um, but really the, the reason why I'm doing it is because of that 
positive reinforcement. I mean, not only from this show, but the conversations and connections that I've made through people, you know, I mentioned about some of the networking things that I've done, um, the commentary that I've been able to make on LinkedIn, people are reaching out to me saying like, wow, like, you know what, this is the kind of stuff people need to be saying more of and like, good for you for, for, you know, standing your ground on against the stigma and against some of the crazy, like, even within the industry, people get really sort of narrow-minded about what they think is right or, or should be done and, and et cetera. So I, I try and bring it back to sort of this 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 sort of level field. And and what I'm doing with the company in that sense is trying to create a, sort of a more accessible stage for these kinds of conversations to happen. So essentially what we're doing is we're going to create a TV show. And I'm working right now with producers and um, people in that space and just trying to, to, I have a very, you know, the vision and the plan of what I want to do is very clear in my mind. Um, and, and they keep coming back saying, you know, we really like that you have this extremely um, good understanding of what you're trying to do. And we're going to help you sort of fill in the gaps because that's what they do is, you know, with the, in that space. Um, so the TV show is, is not, it's not, hasn't, you know, it's not on air yet, but we're just starting to build it up. But what I need is for the listeners of this podcast and anyone else that follows what we're doing and Dean, you as well, you know, to really reinforce that ending the stigma means that you're comfortable and sharing these topics with a wider audience. So how I need that from these, from our listeners is to subscribe to my, uh, company uh, website um, for um, the, the greengencompany.com. Join our tribe. Uh, check out the Cannabis Stock Portfolio Challenge. You know, we need subscribers. We need funders. We need advertisers. We need sponsors. We need all of those people that believe in what we're doing um, to help build that platform so that it can go on a much larger stage. And that's my plug for the own, my own company. But um, yeah, that's exactly. And if you want more information on that, how to get involved, how to put your business as- alongside ours, um, then feel free to reach out to me on my website. And hopefully we can all work together to make this stigma end sooner and make everybody be really be successful that's been working at it for a very long time. Yeah, 100%. Normalizing it, talking it, producing as many uh, different things we can in the industry to uh, just, you know, raise awareness that this is an industry, uh, you know, that you could easily be in. And, and, and exactly, you do not have to be a user of cannabis. You don't even have to, you know, like cannabis. Uh, I, I think it helps to have a passion, but you can be a construction company and be involved in the cannabis industry by building uh, the the retail outlets and, and or LPs and everything like that. So, Big, big business uh, in the cannabis industry, I think, is on the way. And um, that kind of leads us into what it means to be green, because we're talking about the color green, uh, as in money uh, and cannabis. Yeah, so this is almost like a play on the, it's not a play, it's what does it mean to be like, to be the color green, like physically the color. So this is a hypothesis that I, I put forward and, and I'm, I'm, I'm urging others to, to, to look into it as well in their, in their world. So basically, my hypothesis is that what it means to be green is as is that it's something about buying now. It is it's sort of a, it is a it is synonymous with spending money or purchasing something, whether it be cannabis or really anything. Um, so what I sort of the reason why I came up with this you know thought for this particular topic was 
I've been, you know, recently looking at different uh, platforms, like for, for trading, not only just stocks, but just different online platforms, both within the sector, the cannabis sector and outside. So SaaS models or, or online service models for some of my clients. I'm helping to do some research for them. So I've just sort of been noticing and sort of collecting some information on different platforms that are online where you do purchasing of things. And what I've noticed is that in many apps or online places, the buy button is green, like the color green. And and I'm wondering, is that, you know, by design or is it by accident or is it, you know, why? So, you know, because if you think about it, like Amazon, they don't have green buttons. There's a yellow, at least on my apps they are. But so I was thinking about this in the sense of a behavioral psychologist perspective. Adam Altler uh, wrote a book called Drunk Tank Pink. You can see his TED Talk. He has a quick little TED Talk about it. But his book was very interesting. He's a behavioral psychologist from a few years ago, and he actually wrote about the social and biological experiments uh, that were conducted out of the public eye, like in psych wards and jail cells, uh, with paint colors uh, surrounding people. And his theory, or what was presented in the book that he wrote about, was um, that this color, drunk tank pink, was referring to a particular shade of pink uh, painted on walls of jail cells. And it was a experiment. It was conducted in Canada, actually, and and in the '60s. So it's not like super well. It's old, but it's not you know forever old. And the drunk tank pick wall color was part of these experiments that was painted in these jail cells. I think they were in Ottawa area. Um, and the particular p- p- uh, color was that what they found was that they would put the most violent prisoners inside these cells, um, and then you know know what happened with them over time and over a period of almost I think it was nine months or a year they noted that the, the prisoners that were in this particular colored room calmed down faster, had fewer outbursts of violence and aggression, and they were released sooner in the, in the over the long term of their sentences. Um, and, and so the commentary was, would the color had something to do with it? And in Adam's book, he goes on and on and on about how, yeah, color has a lot of things to do with it. The theory with pink is that it reminds you of infant, like infant little girls or, you know, things that are juvenile and, and that calms people down. It's like almost like a mother-daughter bond so that these male prisoners were seeing this color and thinking about things that were making them comforting with their mother was a theory. So my theory is, does green make you want to buy something? Um, you know, it means green from a stoplight perspective. Green means go, you know, green means, you know, proceed. So does it also mean that you need to buy and does that impact a buying decision? So that's what I my that's my commentary on green, and I invite you know everyone out there to notice when they're buying something or in their own software or online, are the things that make you go or purchase something are they colored green, and if they're not, does that influence? Do you think that influences your opinion on it? Very interesting. Something I'll have to uh, keep my eye on uh, in the future when I'm on some uh, different apps. Uh, you can find out how Melka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. Thank you, Melka. Enjoy what kind of green we have left out there before the leaves all start changing. We'll talk next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Dean.